0: Philip Morris presents The Bickerson starring Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Oh, oh, Philip Morris believe in yourself. Yes, believe in yourself. Compare Philip Morris. Match Philip Morris. Judge Philip Morris against any other brand. Then, decide for yourself which cigarette is milder, tastier, more enjoyable. Believe in yourself, and you'll believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. Oh, for,
1: for Philip Morris.
0: And now Philip Morris presents The Bickerson's, produced and broadcast transcribed from Hollywood, starring Miss Frances Langford and Mr. Lou Parker. Together, they will portray the lead characters in Philip Raff's humorous creation, The Bickersons. And as the battling John and Blanche, they will bring you an unretouched picture of domestic tranquility. But first, here's Lou Parker as Lou Parker.
1: Thank
2: you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. I'm quite sure you're all waiting to meet that gracious young lady who has earned the undying love and gratitude of our boys both here and overseas for her tireless efforts in still another row. here she is, the purple-hot girl, Miss Frances Langford. Thank you, Lou. Frances, before we put the gloves on for our Bickerson stint, I have a little favor to ask of you.
3: Anything you want, Lou.
2: Well, it isn't for me, although I'm sure I'll enjoy it. A couple of weeks ago, when you were entertaining the servicemen at the Long Beach Veterans Hospital, one of the boys fell in love with you.
3: Only one?
2: <laughs> well, this one's doing something about it. He's written a letter to you asking that you sing a song especially for him. His name is Terry Amico of Ward N3. The song he'd like to hear is Blue Skies. Okay, Francis?
3: Nothing would give me greater pleasure. So, with the help of Tony Romano and his orchestra, this is for you, Terry.
4: Blue skies, smiling at me. Nothing but blue skies do I see. Blue birds all day long. Never saw the sun shining so bright. Never saw things going so right. Noticing the days hurrying by when you're in love. on my, they fly. Blue days, all of them gone. Nothing but blue skies from right now on. Never saw the sun shine. Noticing the days hurrying by When you're in love a mile and fly. Blue days, all of them gone Nothing but blue skies
0: Friends, in a moment, we'll have a look in at the Bickersons. But first, I'd like to have a word with the most important person in the world when it comes to choosing a cigarette. That person, of course, is you. We of Philip Morris believe that no one's taste is more important to you than your taste. No one's judgment is more important to you than your judgment. That's why we ask you to believe in yourself. That's why, unlike others... We of Philip Morris never ask you to test our brand alone. That's no test because it gives you no choice. We say compare Philip Morris, match Philip Morris, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Then make your own choice according to your own taste, your own judgment. In short, believe in yourself. Later, you'll hear an interview with an actual smoker, not an actor, not a paid performer, but a real person who will make the only fair cigarette test, the Philip Morris nose test. I know you'll be interested, so stay with us, won't you? Now, light up the Philip Morris, and let's join Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. In the Bickerson bedroom, there is an infernal machine. With a persistent, inexorable ticking common to all time bombs, it gradually approaches the hour that will shatter the ears and destroy the happiness of the unsuspecting John. It's a matter of seconds now. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I wish I was dead. All right. All right. All right.
2: Blanche. Blanche. Wait a
3: minute. I'm putting a ribbon in my hair.
2: Where are you going?
3: I'm not going anywhere. Just thought I'd like to look nice for this morning. Why? I knew you'd forget. You did forget. Today happens to be our wedding anniversary.
2: I didn't forget it.
3: Then why didn't you say something?
2: I just opened my eyes.
3: Well, we've been married eight years. What do you want to do?
2: Nothing. It's too late now.
3: (laughs) got any plans for tonight?
2: Sure, I got it all worked out. I'm going to take you to dinner and a burlesque show.
3: No, you're not. I'm having a party tonight.
2: Then what did you ask me for? Where's my pants? Somebody stole my pants.
3: Nobody stole your pants.
2: I just looked under the bed and they're not there.
3: Here are your pants.
2: Thanks. Blanche, these aren't my pants.
3: Then whose pants are they?
2: That's a good question. Only I should be asking it.
3: Don't be so funny in the morning. They were baggy, so I pressed them.
2: Baggy. <laughs> Hand me my tie. Which one? Doesn't matter. I want to use it for a belt. My suspenders are broken.
3: <laughs> Why don't you use your belt?
2: I'm using it to keep the soles from falling off my shoes.
3: John it's in your shoes... I right? know it.
2: I haven't got a belt. Where's my shirt?
3: Your coffee's getting cold. I don't
2: want any coffee. Where'd you hide my shirt?
3: didn't hide it anywhere.
2: Well, where is it?
3: I draped it around the canary's cage.
2: Is my shirt the only rag you can find to cover that cage
3: with? Hasn't hurt it any, has it?
2: No, but I don't like the way that bird pokes into my pockets. Every time I take a cigarette out, I'm smoking bird seed. Why do you have to cover the cage anyway?
3: The canary is sensitive to light.
2: Well, get him a pair of sunglasses and leave my shirt alone.
3: Why must you be so mean on our anniversary?
2: Blanche, I'm not mean. I'm worried. I haven't sold a single vacuum cleaner for four weeks.
3: You sold one on Thursday.
2: I know, but we bought it. I had to sell something to keep from getting fired. I'd like to take it back, Blanche. I can't make the payments on it.
3: You leave it alone. We'll need it when we get a carpet. Okay. <laughs> Bye. John. What? I've been standing here waiting for you to kiss me goodbye, and you haven't even looked at me. I looked at you. <laughs> what do you mean by that?
2: Nothing, Blanche. I'm late. Wait a minute. You got me money?
3: Well, there's a quarter in the sugar bowl. A quarter? You can bring me the change when you come home.
2: (laughs) Now listen, Blanche, something's got to be done about this. I can't get out of work like a pauper every day. A man's got to have a couple of dollars in his pocket.
3: Well, don't yell at me. Well, I don't
2: mind going in torn clothes, holes in my socks, but I'm not going to suffer through those lunches anymore.
3: What's the matter with your lunches?
2: You ought to know. You pack them for me. (laughs) just getting sick of carrying my lunch to work in a paper sack. Why can't I go to a restaurant like the other fellas? Why can't I... John, what are
3: you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years.
2: Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life, I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink.
4: Lunch? That's the garbage. (laughs) I
2: wonder nobody wants to swap sandwiches with me. (laughs) Goodbye, Blanche.
3: Goodbye, dear, and happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, dear sister. Oh, thanks, Clara. Where's Bonnie? I'm
4: here. Clara's getting late. Why don't you tell him?
3: Tell me what? Bonnie can't come tonight. He's been invited to a masquerade party
4: at the United Nations Pool Hall.
3: <laughs> you know, his friend's place? No.
4: Tell her already.
3: Well, anyway, he wants to go, and it's sort of a hard times party. Everybody's going dressed as a bum. What are you telling me for? Well, I thought maybe he could borrow some of John's clothes nice thing to say. Barney, come away from that closet. Why
4: can't I borrow this old gray suit? Them, th- them raglan's shoulders are way out of style.
3: Oh, I forgot about that suit. John never wears it. It just hangs there. You can have it, Barney. Oh,
4: thanks. The boys will get a kick out of those open-toed pants. You coming, Clara? In the manner.
3: Lance, I wonder if you'd mind lending me your vacuum cleaner. Well, I can't do that, Clara. It's never been used. It's still in the box. Oh. Well, what's the matter with John Sample? He's using it for demonstrations. How do you suppose he sells his vacuum cleaners? With his disposition, I'll never know. (laughs)
2: Good morning, madam. I'm from the Eagle Appliances. Paying a call and answer to your oh, letter Oh, I'm you're... sorry.
4: You're 20 minutes late and I've got an appointment with the dentist.
2: Well, you see, I'll only take a few minutes I of your I can't time.
4: wait. I'm getting my bridge today. But, but I just want to see you about I'm the... sorry. Not now. I've got to get to my dentist. <laughs> what
2: good are teeth if your house is dirty. <laughs> oh, well. How do you like that? Five o'clock and I haven't even got a foot in the door yet. Well, this is my last call. I'll have to high pressure this one. I've been giving up too easy. Good afternoon, sir. I represent the Eagle Appliance Company, I'm about to give you a, your wife a demonstration that will simply amaze her. My wife in the room. Well, no matter. If you'll just follow me into your living room. Hey, get out, ah, now. here we are, and a charming room it is too. Look, what's this? Now then, let's just empty these ashtrays on the floor. What are you doing? The wastebasket is full too. Well, well, we just scattered this junk all over the place. Well, listen,
4: you cut it out. Now, don't be alarmed, sir.
2: Now I'm going to go over this rug just once. Oh. And if this vacuum cleaner doesn't pick up every single last speck of this filth, I'll eat it. Well, you better
4: start eating, mister. Our electricity's been shut off. <laughs> oh, hi, Dickerson. Your wife just called. Yeah. It's your anniversary, huh? Yeah. What's the matter? Forget to get her a present?
2: I think I got her one present too many. Picked up a couple of cheap things at first. Then I got sentimental and bought her a diamond ring. A diamond ring? On time. Nothing down and $10 a week for life.
4: <laughs>
2: Three weeks behind on the first payment. Say, listen, Marlon.
4: Oh, no, no, you don't think And I got no money. And if I did have any, I wouldn't lend it to you. You still owe me $4. I know that. Not but nothing new. After... If you need money, sell a vacuum cleaner.
2: Hmm? Yeah. Sell a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Say, so how much will you give me on this vacuum cleaner? Does it work? Well, it's brand new, right off the shelf. It's worth 115 bucks. Give me 20 and let me get out of here. Well, all right. Uh, you wait
4: here. I'll go make out the ticket. Fine. Place uh, this is the Argyle Pawn Shop. I think I've got the man you've been looking for. The cat burglar.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, it was a wonderful
2: anniversary party, Mrs. Bickerson. Too bad John couldn't make
3: it. I can't understand it, Dr. Hersey. He's never been this late before.
2: Well, I wouldn't worry about it. He probably got tied up with some tough customer.
3: Probably. Good night, Doctor.
2: Thanks, Officer. I'll be over in the morning to claim the vacuum cleaner. Please make sure they take my name off the police blotter. Dickerson, what happened? Oh, hello, Doc. Nothing. It's a long story. I'll tell you about it some other time. Well, I certainly enjoyed your party. Happy anniversary. Thanks. Oh, uh... I didn't want to tell your wife, Bickerson, but I left a little something for you on the hall table. Well, thanks. You needn't pay it until the 10th. <laughs> you can mail it in with last month's bill. Or if
0: you pass the office, drop in.
2: Drop dead. Oh, I'm <laughs> out on my feet. I'll probably be up all night answering Blanche's questions. What a life. If I tell her the truth, she won't talk to me for a week. So, I'll tell her the truth. <laughs>
0: In a moment, you'll hear the truth from poor John Dickerson. Right now, we invite you to hear the truth on a more serious matter. You'll hear it not from an actor, not from a paid performer, but from a real person. From a smoker who was interviewed by our roving reporter in the lobby of the Battle House in Mobile, Alabama. Let's listen. Hello there, this is Bob Pfeiffer. While we've been arranging our microphone here in the lobby of the Battle House in Mobile, Alabama, my assistant has been locating a volunteer to try the Philip Morris nose test. Frank, how are you doing? Okay, Bob. Bob, I'd like you to meet Mr. Richard Hewitt from Fairhope, Alabama. Mr. Hewitt is not a Philip Morris smoker. Thanks, Frank. Mr. Hewitt, it's mighty nice meeting you. Very glad to meet you, Bob. Now about the test. Would you do me one favor for obvious reasons we don't want you to refer to your present cigarette by its brand name? Is that okay? It's okay. Now I'd like to give you a Philip Morris cigarette, Mr. Hewitt. I wonder if you have one of your own brand handy, do you? Right here. Fine. Now I want you to light up one of these two cigarettes. doesn't matter which one you try first or you make the choice. All right. Which one do you want to try first, sir? My own brand. Your own brand first. I see it's also one of the leading brands. Now, I'll give you a light, then I want you to take a puff, don't inhale, and slowly let the smoke come through your nose. All right, sir, that was your own brand first, is that correct? That's right. All right, let's try exactly the same test now with the Philip Morris, remember? Give you a light then, take a puff, don't inhale, and slowly let the smoke come through your nose. All right, Mr. Hewitt, you tried the test by your choice, first with your own brand, then with the Philip Morris. You made exactly the same test with both. Now, what we want are your reactions. Did you notice any difference between the two cigarettes? Uh, I think there was a little less, or quite a bit less, burn in the Philip Morris. Thank you very much, Mr. Hewitt. Remember this. The test you just heard is entirely voluntary, and no promise of any kind, no payment whatsoever, is made for any statement in the interview. Friends... The Philip Morris nose test is the only fair test, for it allows you to compare, match, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Yes, try this test. Believe in yourself, and you too will believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. And now, the Bickersons. The Bickersons have retired. Blanche Bickerson lies tense and sleepless in the dark as poor husband John, tortured by the guilt of having missed his own anniversary party, suffers another attack of intermittent insomnia or woodchopper's syndrome. Listen. (laughs)
3: the
1: thing. Oh, dear.
4: John, fly over on your side. Go
3: on. Stop it, stop
2: it, stop it. Stop it, Blanche. What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche?
3: Whining and giggling and grunting and snorting is driving me crazy.
2: Me too, Blanche. Who's doing it?
3: You're doing it. It amazes me that you can sleep at all with your guilty conscience.
2: Not guilty. Put out the lights.
3: I will not. I've got plenty to say to you. Blanche,
2: what's the matter with you? It's three o'clock in the morning. You had a good time tonight. Now, why don't you let me sleep?
3: I had a miserable time. It was the unhappiest anniversary I ever spent. Why didn't you show up for the party, John?
2: I told you, I got stuck at the office.
3: Funny nobody else got stuck. And everybody who came tonight was sweet and thoughtful, and they all brought presents. Good. That's more than you did. The Homers were here and they brought something The Hides were here and they brought something Even my sister Clara was here
2: What did she take?
3: (laughs) She didn't take anything And if she didn't bring a present, it's because she can't afford it Barney isn't working
2: He never works
3: He does, too It's just that he's recovering from his accidents What accident? When he was out looking for a job last month He tripped over a barrel and two cases of bourbon fell on his head (laughs) It
2: was the first time the drinks were
3: ever on him
2: (laughs) Go to sleep, Blanche
3: You said you didn't have dinner. Why didn't you eat something when you came home?
2: There wasn't anything left.
3: Well, who told you to come home so late? Clara took what what was left of a ham, and Dr. Hershey cleaned up the spaghetti. I gave Nature Boy the rest of the chicken.
2: Who's Nature Boy?
3: Our cat. Did I hear him yell when you came in?
2: I stepped on him.
3: Oh, what'd you do that for?
2: I was fighting him for the chicken bones.
4: (laughs) What do you mean, what did I do
3: that
2: for? It was dark, and he got under my feet.
3: You never liked that cat.
2: I like him fine. Just keep him out of my way.
3: You hated the other cat we had.
2: Which other cat?
3: Shiners, the big black one. Shiners? You know, the one you said committed suicide after you caught him drinking your bourbon. (laughs) He did
2: commit suicide.
3: I'd love to believe that.
2: What are you hitting at, Blanche? Cats have been known to commit suicide.
3: They don't hang themselves. (laughs) He
2: didn't hang himself. He got his neck tangled in a ball of twine and I was trying to loosen it when you walked in. Don't stop making me into a cat killer.
3: A man who could forget his own anniversary is capable of anything.
2: I tell you, I didn't forget.
3: (laughs) Not even a card. The least you could have done was send me an anniversary card.
2: I did send you a card. I told you 50 times I sent you a card. Must have got lost in the mail.
3: (laughs) Swear you sent me a card. I swear.
2: It was twin with lace and it had a wonderful poem on it. I picked it especially for you.
3: What did it say on it?
2: Go to sleep. (laughs)
3: If you picked it especially for me, I want to know what it said.
2: It said, "Happy anniversary to my love."
3: That could be anybody.
2: Let me finish. It said, "Happy anniversary to my love, my wife, my life, my turtle dove. Life with you is great. It seems I love you more than pork and beans."
3: <laughs> You're only adding insult to injury. Well, how do I know
2: what it said? I can't remember the stupid porphyry they put on those things.
3: <laughs> put out the lights. you me every year on our anniversary. Oh dear. Am I so old and homely that you can't show any affection or sentiment? The trouble with you is you're tired of me.
2: No, I'm just tired. Good night.
3: <laughs> Look at George Wood. There's a wonderful husband for you. He's been in love with the same woman since the day he was married.
2: Does his wife know about her? <laughs> Never
3: mind about that. you didn't have those evil thoughts, you'd make a better husband. I'm not a demanding wife. Mm. All I ever ask from you is a pleasant smile or a kind word. Wake up, John! <laughs> what do you want? Say something nice to me.
2: I love you. I adore you. I can't live without you. Now shut up and go to sleep. <laughs>
3: scream at me on our wedding anniversary.
2: you'll just keep quiet for a while, I won't scream.
3: I'm going to talk whether you like it or not.
2: I don't like it.
3: Don't forget, Mr. Dickerson, I gave you the best years of my life.
2: Are those the best?
3: Leave <laughs> it up, John. Night after night, I go to sleep crying into my pillow, which soaked through from my tears. And one kiss will make it all perfect.
2: Well, throw over your pillow and I'll kiss it.
3: <laughs> you see, you're starting again. Is it asking too much for you to be nice to me once a year? I'm
2: always nice to
3: you. You never are. You're perfectly horrid. You'd never have a single argument if you'd just be give me a little attention.
2: Well, nobody gives you as little attention as I do.
3: <laughs> well, I'm surprised you admit it. You never take me anywhere. You never show me the slightest consideration.
2: What consideration? Don't I offer you half the newspaper every morning at breakfast?
3: You shouldn't read the, read the table at all. When you drive the car up in front of the house, you might be a gentleman and help me in. Help you in? Oh, no, I have to fling open the door and throw myself onto the seat.
2: Well, I slow down, don't I? <laughs> oh, I'd
3: like to see you act that way with Gloria Gooseby. Now, don't
2: start with Gloria Gooseby. You'd sure
3: be a gentleman if you had her in your car. I've had her in
2: my car plenty of times, and I've never been a gentleman. What? Why don't you let me sleep, Blanche?
3: We've had eight anniversaries. This is the most miserable one of all.
2: It's no worse than last year.
3: Our whole marriage started on the wrong foot. It was your idea to elope, not mine. Yep. I wanted to have a real ceremony like all my friends, but you said it was more romantic to elope. We had to be married by the justice of the peace.
2: Should have been the secretary of war.
3: <laughs> we didn't talk that way then. Why didn't you let me have a big ceremony, John?
2: I wasn't working at the time. I didn't have any money.
3: Well, you're working now, and I want a real wedding with a big ceremony.
2: Okay, I'll arrange it next week.
3: You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on, get up, and let's get married. Are you out of your mind, Blanche?
4: It's almost
2: four o'clock in the morning, and I have to go to work at seven. Why do you do this to me? Haven't I suffered enough
3: for one day? You haven't suffered half as much as I have. I go to all the trouble of making an anniversary party, and you deliberately stay away. It
2: wasn't deliberate.
3: Why don't you say you're sorry you married me?
2: Because I'm not sorry.
3: Not at all. Not at all. You hate me?
2: You know I do.
3: What? I mean, I... <laughs> Please let me sleep. Well, I will as soon as you show me the anniversary present you got for me. Put out the lights. Where is it, John? Hmm? Where's my anniversary present?
2: Well, no, you won't like it. <laughs> it's just a little old beach bathrobe. It costs eight dollars.
3: Eight dollars? Our eighth anniversary, and that's all I'm worth to do, eight dollars? Now, listen here, Blanche. A dollar we... a year for washing your shirts, cooking your meals, darning your socks, raising your children. We
2: haven't got any children. Well, what
3: do you want for a dollar a year? <laughs> <laughs> now, Blanche, all I want is
2: sleep. I'll get you something nice tomorrow. You
3: told me that yesterday. Today's my anniversary. Why couldn't you get me something nice today?
2: I did, Blanche. I did get you something, but I can't give it to you now. Go to sleep.
3: What did you get me?
2: A diamond ring.
3: Wake up, John. I'm still talking to you.
2: I'm not sleeping. I really bought it for you.
3: A diamond ring? Yeah. Where is it?
2: What's the difference? I can't afford it. I'm taking it back in the morning.
3: I don't believe it. Show it to me.
2: It's right there in the closet, in the pocket of my old gray suit.
3: Your gray suit? You mean the one I gave Barney?
2: That's right. In the left-hand pocket. The one you gave to Barney.
3: Blanche, you didn't. <laughs> don't get hysterical. I emptied out the pockets. The stuff's on the dresser. There wasn't any ring, box. It wasn't in a box.
4: I tied it in my handkerchief.
2: Oh, thank heaven. Here it is.
4: Oh, John. It's beautiful.
2: It's got to go back. Take it off.
3: (laughs) Such a lovely diamond.
2: Take it off, Blanche. Look at it. I've seen it. Take it off.
3: Here. Well, it's nice to know that you were thinking of me anyway.
2: I'm sorry, Blanche. I did want you to have it, but... You can see how impossible it is. Oh
3: dear. You've got enough debts now. It was a wonderful, foolish gesture, and I love you for it.
2: Keep the ring, Blanche.
3: <laughs> Don't be silly, John. You can't afford it. Keep you know?
2: it. I'll find a way to pay for it. I'll get an extra job or something. Don't worry. Go to sleep. John. Hmm?
3: You can be so sweet when you want to. Hmm? I'm so happy. This feels just like when we were first married. You were so kind and considerate. You do love me, don't you, John?
2: Yes, Blanche, I love you. Good night.
3: I remember our first anniversary. You were so upset about something, and I kissed you good night and tucked you in bed like a baby. In the morning, everything was fine.
2: Go to sleep, Blanche.
3: John, would you mind if I just tucked you in bed tonight?
2: Okay. Tuck me in.
3: Lift your head, dear, so I can straighten the pillow. Now let me get these covers under. Mm. Stretch out your feet. Ah. There, that's it. Now, all tucked in.
2: Thanks, darling.
3: Are you comfortable, sweetheart? Perfectly. Are you sure?
2: I never felt more comfortable in my life.
3: Fine. Now you get up and tuck me in. Good night,
2: Blanche.
3: Happy anniversary, John.
0: Francis Langford and Lou Parker are standing by for a curtain call. In the meantime, for America's finest cigarette, here's another call well worth remembering. Hi. Remember, Philip Morris is definitely less irritating, definitely milder than any other leading brand. Remember, no cigarette hangover means more smoking pleasure. So, call
1: for Philip Morris!
0: Now, here are John and Blanche Bickerson as Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Well, Francis, that puts the lid on number one for Philip Morris. And I might add
2: that I couldn't think of a more pleasant way of spending a half hour than working opposite you.
3: (laughs) Why, thanks, Lou. I think you do a pretty good job yourself. I
2: think so. (laughs) Let's hope the listeners agree with us (laughs) and that they'll be around next week for another session with the Battling Bickersons in the honeymoon is over. Good night, Francis. Good night, Lou.
3: Good night, everyone.
0: Be sure to listen next Tuesday night when Philip Morris again will present the Pickersons. And don't miss the Philip Morris Playhouse this coming Thursday night over this same station. In the meantime, don't forget to... Oh,
1: Philip Morris!
0: The Pickersons came to you transcribed from Hollywood, California. John Holbrook speaking.